Good morning, all. Great to be together with you. I enjoyed uh, being with all these odd men. Yeah, this weekend. It's a tremendous time. Really enjoyed the fellowship. It was really a wonderful time. Great privilege to be with you here at Sycamore and uh, be in fellowship with Harry. Very thankful for him and his faithful, gracious, humble ministry to you over these many years. Very glad for him. Good to be back here with Marty. Um, and I bring you greetings from, uh, the, from Christ Community Church and our members there in Franklin, Tennessee. Met some folks in the first service, had relatives back in Franklin and the Nashville area, and uh, probably some of you do, and I uh, hope we can touch base afterwards. But uh, delighted to be here with you today. Prior to Franklin, I've been there about six years, I was a pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian in Austin, Texas. And when my um, uh, uh, then five-year-old daughter was riding home with me, uh, after a service one Sunday morning, um, she, she asked me, Dad, uh, why do you pray uh, before you preach? And I said, well, uh, I pray the Lord will help me. And she said, well, well why doesn't he? And, and uh, so, you know, so Marty's been very kind with his introduction, but uh, we need to pray, I'll tell you that, that's for sure. Kids will tell you the truth now. Let's, let's, uh, let's pray for the Lord to help us. Our gracious God and Father, we do thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit inspiring the words, and we ask that that same Holy Spirit would inscribe them in our hearts and in our minds, that our minds might be renewed and our feet might walk in your paths. And for this, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to draw your attention this morning to Genesis chapter 13, and um, just a brief reading there, beginning in verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Friends, I want to just draw your attention to this two-fold, double-barreled occurrence here. I will give it to you. God says to Abram, I will give all of this land to you. There's an old rabbinic proverb that says, God made Abraham just in case Adam blew it. <laughs> well, Adam did. But this is an echo from an early conversation that God has with Adam when he sets the whole creation before him and he says, Do you see all of this? I have given it to you. And then again, he says to him a few verses later, I have given it to you. And now we find Abram, now finally separated out from all the members of his family. It's just he and Sarah now. And God says, do you see all of this? I will give it to you. I will give it to you. The beginning of Abraham's journey into this land is marked by God's grace by God's mercy to him, by God's generosity. Everything you can see, you can have. Adam, everything you can see, I have given it to you. Abraham, 
everything you see, I have given it to you. It's been a tremendous joy to be here these last couple of days, see this spectacular Virginia countryside, see the James, see all of these things which I'd heard so much about, but now seeing them for the very first time in my life, a great pleasure and a great joy. You are surrounded by immense beauty, which I'm sure you appreciate. Not only when you look around, but no doubt when you look up and you see the stars at night and you see the bountiful gift that they are to you, you can see God's handiwork in that. And you know in your heart and in your faith that all of these things are gifts from God. What do you believe, you were asked just a few moments ago? I believe in God the Father Almighty, say it with me, maker of heaven and earth. The very first thing that we acknowledge about God our Father is that everything we see, everything we have around us comes out of the wisdom and power of His might and grace. He is the maker of all things. The Bible begins with this explosion of God's super abundant radical generosity in creating this astonishing world. And this world is speaking to us. It reverberates with His presence. And it testifies to us about His nature. In Romans chapter 1, Paul said that people who want to say God doesn't exist are without excuse because everything that God has made visible is a testimony to his invisible attributes. Paul says they are clearly seen through everything that God has made. That's true whether we're looking around or we look up. In Psalm 19, the psalmist said, The heavens are telling the glory of God. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. There's no sound. There's no voice. And yet, everywhere, the message is heard. And so we are surrounded by this incredible creation which testifies to the wonder of God and puts us in remembrance of who He is and really who we are. My wife and I love to go out to Montana. We like to hike around out in the glacier region of northwest Montana. And when we get out there, we get out and we see those glacier lakes. We see these tremendously high peaks. And we stand there in the middle of all that and we think to ourselves how big we are. <laughs> well, actually, no, that's not the thought that goes through my mind. If you stand before an ocean or mountains, you don't think about how great you are you begin to gain some perspective about how small you are and looking through them how majestic and great your God is. Jared Manley Hopkins captured this when he wrote, The world is charged with the grandeur of God because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and ah, bright wings. This world, Martin Luther said, is a book in which God has written to us his message of generous love. St. Augustine, who was not shy about writing books, said some people, in order to discover God, read books. 
But there is a great book, the very appearance of created things. Look above you, look below you, read it. God, whom you want to discover, never wrote that book with ink. Instead, he set before your eyes the things that he has made. Can you ask for a louder voice than that? And what is the story? What is the word that that book is telling us? Well, it's a, it's a word that is summarized in the words that God speaks to Abram. I have given it to you. It is a word of God's generosity. You see his generosity in creation. You know, there are over 391,000 kinds of plants in the world. There are 200 different kinds of potatoes. There are 700 different kinds of apples. There are 10,000 varieties of grapes. There are 90,000 different kinds of rice that are registered with the World Rice Gene Bank. There are 60,000 different kinds of trees. There are 18,000 different kinds of fish. There are 400 different kinds of sharks. Did we really need 400 ways to die? If you look up, there are... 10,400 species of birds. There are 900,000 different kinds of insects. There are 3,500 different kinds of mosquitoes. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) There are 100 million stars in our galaxy. And our galaxy is just one small one amidst 100 million more. And then if you look down within, God gave you 10,000 taste buds. The better to understand Brunswick stew with. (laughs) Why give all of that? I mean, really, is all of that necessary? Did we really need 10,000 taste buds? Couldn't we just have been like other creatures and eaten for fuel? But no, when God made you, he made you to eat with your eyes and to taste things with texture, with a variety of flavors. He made you with desires because these desires that we have within us point beyond themselves to a hunger and a thirst for something that's more. God's radical generosity in creation is an echo to us. I have given it to you. I have given it to you. It is gift. The music you hear the faces of the children you love. I have given it to you. This is God's astonishing generosity to us. The world does not understand this kind of generosity. One of my favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan. And in the ultimate battle scene, the penultimate scene of the film, in which the captain and his fellow soldiers who will die to save Private Ryan are in that immense hand-to-hand combat, and he is sitting there in the dust dying. 
He looks up at Private Ryan and with his last words says to him, earn this. Earn this. And then the scene fades to Ryan, older, standing in that incredible military cemetery in Normandy, and he's staring down at the grave of that man who gave his life for him, and with tears streaming down his face, he turns to his wife and says, tell me I was a good man. Tell me I was a good man. Because the last words he heard from the person who gave his life for him were, earn this. But when Christ gave his life for us, he didn't hang between heaven and earth on the cross and say to us, earn this. When he died for us, he said, it is finished. Paid in full. I have given my life for you. I have given this to you. Do you see me here crucified? Everything you see, I have given it to you. It is by grace that you are saved through faith. And that faith, even the faith you have, is itself a gift of God. It is not something that you work for. It's not something you work up. You have been saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of Almighty God. I have given it to you. That's why the generosity of God is not only seen in creation, but in redemption as well. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes to early believers and he says, God's love and grace have been, listen to this beautiful word, lavished on us in all wisdom. He wrote to the Corinthians and he said, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, For your sakes, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might be made rich. He was generous in the humiliation he underwent. He gave it all to be born on the margins of an oppressed culture. He gave everything to live a perfect life on our behalf, and then to die on our behalf. And then he was buried, and then he rose, and his generosity is seen even when he ascends to the Father, and he's seated at the Father's right hand, and he he pours out the Holy Spirit. He He doesn't give the Holy Spirit a measure. He just pours out the Holy Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters prophesy, and your Old men see visions and your young men's dream dreams and even on the maidservants, everybody's going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gets completely carried away and it says when he ascended on high, he gave Harry Long to the church. He gave pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets because God in his generosity has redeemed us and poured his spirit out on us and then sends us gifts wrapped as people that remind us of his generous love to us so that we understand who God is. God is the generous God, not the narrow God, not a mean-spirited God. When you read in the Bible of heaven, it turns out it's standing room only. 
And God is the one who leaves the 99 to go look for the one who has wandered. And it's so full of people around the throne of grace. The scriptures say in the book of Revelation, it's a multitude that is incalculable, that no one can count. So generous is the mercy and love of God that it includes all nations, every tribe, every tongue, every people under heaven. It is reached as far as you and me in its wide embrace, wide as the stars and oceans, high as the mountains, is the generous grace of God, the abundant generosity of the Lord. He has made you his own. And in doing that, he has done something for you and in you because God has now decided that his generosity, his family likeness will be seen in you. Jesus said, Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor. I, I say, love your, your who? Enemies. Enemies, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. That's the family likeness being seen in you. Don't only, you say, wait, wait a minute, pastor, love the people who hate me? Love the people who, who uh, are speaking ill of me? Love is, after all, concrete action. It's not an emotion. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, thank God Jesus didn't say, like your enemies. Love them, which is to say, You do all you can to practically serve and offer them the gospel. Everything you can do so that they know, too, the generosity of God. And he does this not because there's anything in you that's good. He's not saying you need to produce this in yourself. After all, as you sang just a few moments ago, when you get to the end of the race, you're not going to say it was through the strength of my legs. It was Christ in me. It all comes through that generous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And then he said, that drink will become in you. Listen to this. The little drink you take will become in you a river. A river of living water flowing out from you. That is to say that the disposition of the Christian in the world is to show in the world the generous love of God. There is just a mindset about true believers that they have a radical generosity about them. Generous with their time. Generous with their finance. Generous with their spiritual gifts. Generous with the love of God. You know, I've been a pastor for 40 years, and I have people come into my office, and they'll confess their sins. They'll tell me stuff. My wife says they're going to bury me in a double wide because I'm carrying around so much stuff. They'll come in and they'll tell. And I've I've heard it all, man. Well, pastor, you know, I need God's forgiveness because I've watched this. I've done that. I've heard it all. But you know what? You know, I've never, ever had anyone show up in my office over 40 years and say, Pastor, I need to confess to you my sin of greed. Well, it's obvious why. No one struggles with it. (laughs) Oh, wait. Maybe we do. But it's just not as high on our sensitivity meters because we actually haven't been as gripped by the generosity of God as we're supposed to be. We haven't noticed 
how wide and how deep it is. You see, I'll finish with this. God's characteristic generosity. What are the characteristics of it? Here's the first thing. It's joyful. God's generosity is a joyful generosity. In Isaiah 62, he says, The Lord rejoices over you the way a young man rejoices over his bride. When you're a minister, you stand up there at the front and and you see things up close. You see what's going on. And you see that groom standing there. And the very first time, he's looking back there and he catches a glimpses. He, ca- he catches a glimpse of, of that bride as she's going to come up the aisle and tears begin to stream down his face and he just can't believe that someone as beautiful is, is being given to him. And he, you know what's in his heart. His heart's exploding. He just wants to joyfully bestow on her everything he can for the rest of his life. You know the joy of giving, what it's like to have picked out that special gift for that child or that grandchild you love. Wait, will you open this iPhone 11? You're going to love it. You just can't wait for them to see what you've gotten ready. You take joy in the giving. God's generosity is a joyful generosity. It's an immense generosity. It's immense. It's not coldly calculated. I hate to mess with the accountants in the room, but when it comes to God's generosity, there is no cost-benefit analysis going on. When Jesus went to the wedding, we'll stay at the wedding of Cana in Galilee, and they got to the reception, they ran out of wine. What a bummer. And so they said, Jesus, hey, there's no wine. Jesus said, you see those, those water pots over there? Um, I want you to fill those up to the brim. These six stone jars, those hold 120 to 180 gallons of water. They filled them up to the brim, and of course, the water becomes wine. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, each one of those 180 gallons turned into wine. My friends, that's 780 bottles of wine. That'll take care of it. (laughs) In other words, he made more than enough, and it was the best. There was no going, well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't want there to be any leftovers. Jesus was always making leftovers. There was always waste around Jesus. Baskets full of leftovers because everything he did was marked not by narrow calculation, but by the kind of thing that says 10,000 taste buds. Just pour it out. Because finally God's generosity is not only joyful and immense, it's free. Romans 8.32, Paul says, How will he not freely give you all things since he has given you his Son? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And when he did, he gave him joyfully. He gave him with immensity. And he gave him freely. And it takes us all the way back to God saying to Abram, I have given this to you. I have given this to you. And to Adam... Staring there at, that, at the wonder of that first dawn of creation. And hearing God say, I've given this to you, I've given this to you. And if you dig into that story that God brought him into, and you look at how God made it all, you'll find that all these beautiful trees and shrubs and grasses 
that testified to his love came up out of the ground on a particular day. Do you remember which day in Genesis 1 that all this wonder came out of the ground? It was on the third day. And Jesus said in John 12, My life is a seed that will fall into the ground and die. And then on the third day, rise. Because on the third day, things come out of the ground. And he became, in rising, the bread, the wheat that's crushed and ground, the bread that our souls need. And the wine he made is his blood which is poured out so that with your senses this morning, you have a bounty beyond telling that you will taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are all those who put their trust in him. My friend, you may be sitting here thinking this morning, my sin is too great. I tell you this morning, however great is your sin, the generous immense free grace of God is greater still and the bread and the wine will speak to you this morning from the creation and say redemption you are mine says the Lord let's pray Lord we thank you that you have given so much to us But we thank you above all things that you have given yourself to us. And now, Lord, we come with thankful hearts to give you praise and to receive from your generous hand the love which you bestow through the power of your spirit. Do that work in our hearts through Christ our Lord. Amen.